to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me, I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here he is in his robes, Jerry Judge, our Judge Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the back there, thanks. Thanks, thanks for coming again. Judge That's Jerry great. Springer, we've been goofing around yeah. about this, but he has this new TV show. We urge you to watch it. I watch it, and I find it to be very entertaining. And I've uh, given Jerry the feedback. I love the show. So, uh, and it's all across the country. Uh, Maria Corelli, our third voice, is out on tour out west, and she'll be back with us uh, next week. Uh, and we're going to hear from Jamin Zyla. We had him on last week and asked him to come back. He has agreed. And Jamin Zyler uh, is both a luthier from Aurora, Indiana, works, the, though, here at Folk School Kentucky, uh, down in the basement, they have a luthier shop, do a lot of repair work. He makes his own instruments, has made uh, guitars that he plays. So we're going to have him on in a few minutes, and he's going to be playing a very unique instrument. He didn't make it, but there's a good story behind who did. So we'll have uh, Jamin uh, a bit later. I'm going to also ask Jerry to talk about some politics, as we always do. And this time, we're going to, he's going to take a look at Donald Trump's poll numbers in their evolution and where they are today. Uh, Jerry, wanted to ask you a question. Are you watching, now we're recording this on the 18th of September, and this one will run actually a couple weeks from now. The series, I believe, then will be over, but there is a series on PBS, Ken Burns. Yes. You know who Ken Burns is? Oh, yeah. He's amazing. He did, yeah. Have you ever met him, by the way? I never met him, but right. what he did with the Civil Wars and all the classic. He's Major done, League Baseball. Major League Baseball, absolutely. National I mean, Parks. Yeah. Now he's got this one on country music, and he's just bore down into the history from the beginning of country music, and then we're about, I don't know, a third of the way through, maybe halfway Carter family, Hank oh, Williams, yeah. oh, etc. It is just uh, the uh, oh, I Texas love the old t- classic country, classic. Yeah. And then they're going to work their way towards yeah. the newer stuff. But have you had a chance to see it yet? Because if not, you can not, catch it. But I'm going to catch it. Yeah, I'll get. This it part. is amazing, and it made me think, and of a, uh, and I mentioned a couple episodes ago. I started this project as a volunteer at a. A prison in Kentucky, right. medium security prison. Yep. And uh, I work as a volunteer. I do a critical thinking class and now a poetry writing class. And in one of my classes, I brought in the words of a song written by Jimmy Webb and oh, some yeah. women from a new group called the High Women, H-I-G-H-W-M-E-N. Yeah. And it's a kind of a spinoff of the Highwaymen. Men. Do you yeah, remember who right. they were? Oh, who sure. were they? Do you recall? No, no but they were the time, same time as the Weavers. No, this is a, a more oh, modern version. Oh, there was a group back yeah, then. Yeah, yes. This is country music. So it's uh, Johnny Cash, uh, Willie Nelson, oh, Chris no, the, Christopherson. Yeah, but were they the Highwaymen? Well, I they, they, they were created the... a group called the Highwaymen. Highwaymen. They were, and they performed as a foursome around yes. the country for several years, yes, and they made right. records yep. as well. Yep. And they had a song, Jimmy Webb wrote it, called The Highwaymen. Yeah. Very cleverly written song. And, the, and I did it in this prison. I taught it as poetry. Yeah. Took the music out, did just the lyrics. 
because it's all about reincarnation. Yeah. And it's like, wow, country, not, not that this is a shock to anybody, it wasn't yeah. to me, but country music artists yep. and uh, creators, songwriters, yep. write some stuff that's very brainy, very heady, yep. deep, if you will. Yeah. And to write a song about uh, reincarnation, where it, well, in the, one of the song, uh, verses goes, we all uh, will come back as a tiny drop of rain, yeah. blah, blah, blah. That, so a spinoff of them is a group of women, country, country singers, songwriters, yeah. women. They created a group. They went to Jimmy Webb. They asked if they could do a rewrite of it. They put his name on it. David, we're not going to play the whole thing, but let me just do a sample of this. Sure. This is really cool. I was a high woman and a mother from my youth. For my children, I did what I had to do. My family left Honduras when they killed the Sandinistas. We followed our coyote through the dust of Mexico. Every one of them except for me survived, and I am still alive. I was a healer I was gifted as a girl I laid hands upon the world Someone saw me sleeping Naked in the noon sun I heard witchcraft in the whispers And I knew my time had come The bastards hung me at the Salem God's Hill But I am living still I was a freedom rider when we thought the South had won. Virginia in the spring of 61. I sat down on the Greyhound that was bound for Mississippi. My mother asked me if that ride was worth my life. And where the shots rang out, I never heard the sound. But I am still around. I'll take that ride again and again and again and again and again. Man, that's the high women, and it ends with uh, "We are the high women." Yeah. And the final verse talks about how we're still around and we'll come back again and again. Now it has double meaning. It's one is. We'll come back because there'll be others behind us who will carry on the work of the Freedom Riders and the struggle of immigrants. And uh, it is, it's just, but they use the verse also, we'll come back as tiny drops of rain. So it has this element of reincarnation to it. And to relate it to the Ken Burns, I have no idea if Ken Burns features them as it goes yeah. on because where he's headed, he'll get into the highwaymen. Yeah. He may give a, a mention of the high women. I don't know. But he's going to cover Johnny Cash and and all of those major... Willie Nelson's already yeah, in interviews. Wasn't there a group... I may be... There was a group called there. the Highlands, a folk group. Yeah, well, I know that. Yeah. yeah. But also. there was also a group, what, I, what I've been thinking about, when it was uh, Bob Dylan, uh, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash. They were called the, Roy Orbison, Traveling Wilburys. Traveling Wilburys. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. 
And it was, and yeah. by the way, the traveling Wilburys, and they, they did that about the same time as the Highwaymen. Yeah. But it was a different genre of artists, in yes. that case, rockers. Yes. You know, exactly. rockers yeah. with souls, uh, and the Highwaymen were country. Right. But this rewrite of this song, they went to Jimmy Webb and they said, because I've read about this. Yeah. And they said, uh, we want we want to honor you by rewriting this, but we, we want to do it with you. So we're going to put your name on it, and we want you to write it with us. And he said, well, write it and then send it to me, and we'll see what you got. And they wrote it and sent it to him, and he said, you don't change a word of this. Oh, that's great. And you have my permission to use yeah. it. And so they credit him yeah. of who wrote it. Yeah. And But isn't that cool? That's really cool stuff. Yeah. And, it, and it really... This is the reminds me of when Paul Stuckey of uh, Noel Stuckey, yeah. Noel Paul Stuckey came in from Peter Paul and Mary, and we worked with uh, Noel and his daughter uh, Liz Sunday on how to make music. Spend some of your time as songwriters making music relevant to today's causes. To the causes, well, right? They just did it, man. Yeah. They nail it with these issues. And one last thing about country music, Ken Burns. He touches on all this stuff in the telling of the story of country music. The country music is complex. If you really dig into oh, yeah. it, not, not that it was social cause. Well, actually, in a way, it was it because was it was talking cause. about the causes of working men and women and the struggles. It was, I think it, it, it was rap music of poor, white, rural America. Yeah. It was their rap music talking about their lives, their marriages gone south, their, you know, their poverty. Yeah. And it, uh, which I think all, all good music is a reflection of the, of the people's lives who are writing it. So yeah, country, and then country music became a, when we were growing up, I mean, really young, not just teenagers, but the children, I remember because when I came to America, it was all the radio, and that's how I learned to came to speak America Ameri age five, five from five. England, right. right? And uh, just to learn American idioms, to pick up an American accent and stuff like that. Listen to the radio all the time, and the the popular songs of the day were all country. Yep. I mean, it was uh, Patty Page, and yep. you know, I mean, it was whatever the popular songs. There were. You know, Elvis Presley in the beginning, you know, rock and roll was a combination of the church and uh, country music. Jerry Lee Lewis, who did yeah. some rock and roll, but yeah. kept sliding back into country, yeah. which I mean, were his that, roots. That's where they all came from. They were right. poor white guys from the South, and that yep. became the popular music. Uh, Conway Twitty started yeah, yeah. out Same deal. as country before he became rock and roll. So. Right. Hey, and... Uh, they feature, they feature a bunch of people in the interview, a lot of people. It's just an amazing, I urge everybody, you got to watch country music, yeah. Ken Burns. But they feature Hank Williams. They tell, oh, yeah. he's deceased, but they tell his story. His granddaughter, Holly Williams, is yeah. interviewed. But Vince Gilly, a writer, Vince Gill, and yeah. Vince Gill, pardon me, Vince yeah. Gill says, uh, gave a quote in which he says, when Hank Williams wrote, he wrote amazing songs, and his were unbelievable because they were so insightful and sometimes so simple. Yeah. I'm so lonely. So lonesome I could cry. I could cry. So lonesome yeah. I could cry. And, and he said, how could you say that any more clearly yeah. and simply and capture the feeling? Yeah. Because it's always tapping into feelings. Oh, yeah. 
than that. Your cheating so, heart. Your yeah. cheating heart just wrote amazing stuff. So you had Hank Williams. I now can't help it if I'm still in love with you. Right. It's just phenomenal. Now yeah. we're going to hear about Hank Williams Jr. And yeah. then we've already heard a little bit from Holly Williams, who is the third generation of performers in that family. The other day I was uh, working in my home. I have a condo, truth be told. Oh, I you went at the office? No. Well, the podcast office is in my home. But I always joke about it. I live in a double wide, you know, on the bank of the Ohio. Yeah. That's all BS. I, I have a nice condo overlooking the well, Ohio River. Well, how do we know this is the truth? <laughs> I mean, where does the lying stop? Because you've actually been to my home. Yeah. Everybody very, here has been nice. to my home. Very anyway, nice. I was working and uh, <clears throat> hit a simple task of uh, lights in one of the rooms, the master bathroom, were flickering. And you hmm. look at that and you think, man, that's sparking in there. And who knows, that's how fires start. So I went to the local uh, hardware store in Ludlow, Kentucky. What's the name of it? Ideal, Ideal Hardware. And I got That's uh, what I would switch. do. Well, this is the point. So I'm there, and I, you know, turned off the power in that room, and I replaced them. Yeah. And I was there working, and right I thought, I wonder alley. if my old buddy Jerry Springer right now is in his condo overlooking the uh, Lake uh, Michigan in Evanston. Oh, well, yeah. We don't want to be too specific yeah. about it, but if you're interested, the address yeah. is 147. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no. But I wondered if you were there doing similar manly work. Do you, if you need... Do you have flickering lights? Do you go in and, like, change out the switches? I have a bell uh, that I, well, actually... On, a like, a rope, rope, like a gold... That I hit, the, <laughs> you know, and the butler comes in, and he says, yes, Mr. Springer, and I say, the bulb, and they fix it. Now, here is the truth. Yeah. You turn to Mickey, your wife, who yeah. is a f grew up as a farm girl in oh, Cynthia, Kentucky. Fix everything. And if not, she knows who to call. Exactly. <clears throat> you could never change... Uh, some, do something yeah. like, it's an example, yeah. of changing a light switch, could you? No, because I never know. It's confusing because sometimes you turn, I don't know if you turn it to the right or the left, the bulb. He's not even talking about the switch. He's talking about changing a <laughs> the light. Bulb. <laughs> <laughs> the bulb. The bulb. <laughs> Good Lord. Is the bulb. The, <laughs> the actual is that bulb. the thing uh, that goes up and down? Yeah, I turn, I turn on the light when I come into a room. Of course you do. You're so Well, once person. in a while, I'll call someone to do it for me. But generally... Hey, did you ever, as a kid, and it may have to do with uh, your uh, mom and dad. Yeah. You're New York kids. I mean, yeah. I've been to where you live in New York. Yeah. You grew up hard. You grew oh, up hard. And, and it's exactly what you would think. Just tough streets in New York City. And it was just a badass neighborhood, the whole deal. Uh, props to Jerry for Remember making when it through. They, they, on the way to school, they knocked the books out of my hand. Yeah, that was a that huge was deal. A, oh, that was a tough neighborhood. <laughs> it was a rough day. But you, don't, you couldn't change a light switch or build something, build a workbench? No. If I would, well, I got that ability from my dad. Yes. Because every time my dad would even move to fix something, my mom would say, I'm all ungefassen, alles ist kaputt. Which means... Which was German for once you touch it, everything breaks. So she, <laughs> so she wouldn't let him... She says, Richard, get away. <laughs> yeah. And we'd call wow. the super. And call the super. That's yeah. a New York thing. Yeah, Mr. Goldberg. He and would he come. would come in and fix it? Oh, yeah. The super fixed everything. You didn't live in an apartment house without a super. Hmm. 
Very They don't have supers anymore, do they? No. Well, I mean, some people well, have referred that, to me as super, but I don't think that's yeah, what you're no, talking really, about. Yeah, no, really, that's what we go, yeah, we had a super. A superintendent. I haven't used that word in 70 yeah. years, but yeah, in our apartment house, we had the super. Yeah. And he would come and, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well, like I say, I... I'm all angefass and alles ist kaputt. Yeah. Yeah. Did you speak German as a kid? I understood a fair amount of it, yeah. but my parents wouldn't let us speak German at home. I wouldn't let us speak German, period, because in England at the time, Germany was bombing us. Yeah. So she didn't want us out on the street playing with English point. kids speaking German. So we were never allowed to talk German. And we had a nanny, a nanny. She was 18 years old, an Irish girl, who basically raised us the first few years. She lived in the yeah. house, and she was the one that talked to us. It lived in, lived in the apartment where you lived? She in was England. like an au pair? Yeah. 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 Oh, in England. in England. In England. I got you. I got you. Yeah. There was, as you saw, there was no room in the, in the yeah. one-bedroom apartment we lived in. Talk about Well, I don't want to embarrass Jerry, but the, he lived in, it, it looked to me like a rat-infested one-room <laughs> tenement <laughs> in New York City. It's the, it's, what, it's the stereotype of what you would worry about, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, hey, let me ask you a question. Yes. Uh, we hmm. are a, some of us are poll obsessed. Yes. And polls, of course, as you and I both know, are a simple snapshot in time. Yeah. A poll can happen a month from now, and if certain yep. things happen in the next month, polls can go very different. But polls, give us a quick recap of President Trump's poll numbers at the moment and any other analysis where, kind of, you know, th this is an important Time period. We're in the primary and rolling into a president. Yeah, I, I, Trump is not doing well with the polls. In fact, he's not doing well with the Czechoslovakians either. Uh, <laughs> but no, but boom, hey. Yeah. Which is really a stupid joke because there is no Czechoslovakia anymore. Right, but the joke still works. So. It's still, and probably yeah. most people don't know that there's yeah. no Czechoslovakia. No, anymore. there's the Czech Republic and the Slovakians, but right. so I'll have to change. That's that in the joke. weeds. Keep going. It's, yeah, <laughs> but anyway. He's down to 38%, etc. So um, I believe, you know, I believe because I have no choice other than to believe it. Otherwise, I'd go crazy. I don't think there's any way that Trump wins again. Uh, but, you know, I could be wrong. But I'm assuming he's going to lose. The bad news is if he loses, he won't go away. Uh, can't, the reason I say he's going to lose is I can't believe that America, now knowing what he's like, you know, maybe in 2016 you could rationalize and say, well, it's time for a change or we got to shake things up in Washington. This guy's a loose cannon, but at least he'll shake things up. You could rationalize why you were going to vote for him. Maybe you didn't like Hillary, whatever the reason. And so you gave him a vote. Certainly, he got three million less than Hillary, but you gave him a vote. Some people did. And uh, so he won. But now, nobody can say, we don't know what he's like. We don't know the damage he's doing and the damage he could continue to do. So this time, I remember back then, Hillary said people that were voting for Trump were the deplorables, and she got in a lot of trouble for that. Well, 
what you should have said is not that the people who vote for Trump are deplorable, that's not fair, but voting for Trump is deplorable. You know, an, a, even a good person can do something that's deplorable from time to time. So she should have said that. Voting for Trump is deplorable, not that the people themselves are deplorable. However, if people this time vote for Trump, I'm sorry, they're deplorable. <laughs> uh, because they know what he's like. And they know they never want their child to grow up to be like him. But so I don't, but I don't think that's going to happen. I hope it's a landslide, though, because if it's close, he won't go away. What I mean by that is he will always put himself before the country. He will always put himself before decency, before fairness. He will do whatever it takes to win. And if it's a close election and he loses, you know he's going to say it was rigged and you know he's going to say it's fake news. And this time, he really may not leave. He may say it's a, it's a fake election. And his people, the crazies that you know are his base, they're going to believe him. And talk radio and Fox, they're going to go, yeah, maybe this, this is, is fake. Maybe the results aren't real. Maybe it's the establishment just saying because they hate him. They don't want him. And you're going to see people take to the streets. And there'll be chaos. Because he'll just say, it's not a fair result. I really won. He lies about everything else. I mean, he really does. So why won't he lie about the result? Now, this all got me to thinking, at the current moment, what was going on with the Israeli election and Netanyahu. Uh, if Netanyahu were to be re-elected, the Prime Minister of Israel, he would become the longest-serving Prime Minister in Israeli history. His party, Likud, doesn't have a majority, so to keep his seat, and they're counting the votes as we're doing this, to keep his seat, he has to form a coalition with the right-wing Orthodox party. But the price of, and that would then put him in the majority if they go along with him, but the price of getting the right-wing Orthodox party to back Netanyahu, he had to promise that he would annex a significant portion of the West Bank. That was the price of them supporting him. But of course, if he actually did that, that will be the end of any hopes for a two-state solution. If Israel does that, Israel will no longer be a Jewish state, which was the whole purpose of the creation of Israel back in 1948. The idea was that there would be a Jewish state because wherever they went in the world, the Jews were as a minority, so they the sense was the only way we could have security if there was one country that was Jewish. But if you annex the West Bank, then all of a sudden it's not a Jewish state anymore because most of the people living in the new boundaries of Israel in a few years would be Arabs, not Jews. So the only way you could keep it Jewish if you took in the West Bank was by not letting Arabs vote. And then you're no longer democracy and that means we've given up the values of our religion. And so 
what Netanyahu basically was doing was sacrificing his country because the self-interest he wanted to get elected. He would basically be going against what Israel is supposed to be throughout its history, the ideals of, of Israel, just like we have ideals in America. You would have a leader sacrificing those ideals of his country because he wanted to be reelected. Now, the reason he so badly needs to be reelected is because he's under threat of indictment. In fact, he has been indicted for corruption. Sound familiar? But as long as he's prime minister in Israel, he can't officially be indicted and tried and jailed. So he has to keep in office. Sounds awfully familiar. You get these leaders that all of a sudden start thinking that they're bigger than the country they represent, and they will do anything to be reelected. Now, if, so that got me to thinking, boy, that, no wonder those two are great buddies. They both have the same self-interest. Man, I'm in trouble in my country. Yeah, you, me too. We, you know, I got to get reelected. So, now, if Trump loses the electoral vote this time, he'll definitely lose the popular vote. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, he's at 38%. He has never been above 44%. So, you know, if you're talking popular vote, you don't win the popular vote, even with 44%, okay? There's 56% you don't get then. So he will lose the popular vote. That's a given. Question is, can he, as he did last time, squeeze by getting a couple of states and getting the electoral vote? And... Uh, but if he loses the electoral vote even, which I think that'll happen this time because the Dems won't make the same mistake of not campaigning in Wisconsin and Western Pennsylvania, et cetera, uh, he won't stay in the White House because the military would remove him. So that isn't going to happen. But he will go out screaming to his people, we've been robbed. It's fake news. It's... The whole thing's being rigged, and you will have total chaos. You will have his rallies. You will have demonstrations. You may even have riots. There will be chaos in this country. So the new president will understandably, to some extent, want to start out his or her new presidency with not having this hanging over, not having riots in the street, not having this division. So there will be great pressure brought on by the Senate, which will at least be uh, veto-proof. In other words, even with a Democratic president, you're not going to have two-thirds Republicans in the Senate. You know, so the Republicans will still have a lot of power to block legislation or to have their own legislation. So the Republicans will still have power. You're going to have to deal with them. And what I am thinking is that the new president will have to make a deal with Trump to stop the chaos, to stop the rioting, the great divisions, to start with a clean slate. They're probably going to bite the bullet 
and make some deal with Trump to say, we won't prosecute, but you've got to go away. It, that's, a, that's a sad way to end it all because basically you will, have been, you will say to every president from now on, you can commit any crime you want and in the end you'll be forgiven. You'll be pardoned. So I believe in the end, Trump loses the election. There's chaos because he doesn't go quietly. We don't have the American tradition of the peaceful transition of power, which has happened every single election in our history. That's one thing people do look around the world and say, wow, no matter how tough their campaigns, at the end there's the peaceful transition of power. Trump, once again, will violate our tra traditions. I think there'll have to be a deal made, and the deal will be he will be pardoned, and we will not have the riots. It's a sad ending to it, but Trump will not otherwise go away. All right. Interesting take. Uh, precedent in terms of Gerald Ford, it's all a different set of circumstances, but he right. pardoned uh, Richard Nixon, uh, not that they were, people were lining up yeah. to riot, but it's he just paid, sort of yeah, moved he, on. The country right. needs to move on. He paid electorally for it, but we didn't have riots and the country did it. move on. You got it. All right. Hey, we have uh, Jamin Zyler back. He has performed here before and uh, performed along with Ben Knight last week. Uh, Jamin tonight is going to do a song solo because the instrument he's going to play is kind of unique. And the microphone isn't working, so it'll be so yeah, loud right. you won't hear it. Now, Jamin has... Uh, you, you're allowed to a, laugh. Yeah. Well, they will when you, if you say something funny. I'm pretty sure they will. <laughs> but uh, Jamin is a uh, craftsman, a luthier, works on string instruments, repairs them, makes his own, has uh, made a guitar, and it sounds great, played it last episode. But tonight, Jamin, you're playing something different, correct? Well, I'm going to use my uh, looper, which is basically a uh, on-the-fly recording. Okay. Play a guitar part, and then stop and loop it, and it'll play back, and then I'm going to play uh, Native American flute. Oh, no, wait a second. So to be clear about this, you're going to, in effect, re record, record right in front of us. Yes the guitar element, mm -hmm. and then as you play that back moments I'll, later. I'll pick up the flute. And, and now, it, this instrument, is is it simply called a flute? or It's a Native American flute. All right, it tell dates, us a little bit about it, where well, did it come from? And it dates back a couple thousand years in this country. It actually, wow. uh, they have a built-in reed. Okay. They could possibly, they probably are the first reed instrument. All right. Ever. Uh, you have to split air with any wind instrument. And uh, this one is just built in. It's a little, it's part of the fabric of the flute. And, and the reed is made of the same wood as the flute is? Yeah, so it's, it's not just a, built a right in there. Element. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow, and, and that, you came by that how? I bought this one from um, a, a woman named Jerry Littlejohn. All right. And she uh, was making flutes out of uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, she's now living, I believe, in Oregon. And you told me she's Cherokee? She's Cherokee. Interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing this. Okay, yeah, so she's we wonderful. have uh, Jamin Zyler doing some uh, technical uh, 
wizardry here and combining two instruments. Let's hear it. Thank you. It's a tip. I get a lot of tips when I play with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sing and play all night and I throw it in a little bit and that's it's interesting. It's nice. People like it. That that it, when when we walked in we were talking to Jamin and he said, I'm gonna do an instrumental. We normally haven't done that and we both agreed, yeah, there's nothing we no, love changing beautiful. things up. Yeah. yeah. But we don't tip here. That's not <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I heard that. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but we didn't know you were gonna do that. Yeah. That mm, is that really is great. Well, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed Great it. Great sound. It was awesome. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Jamin, thank for you. doing that. Appreciate uh, it. Take us out on, if you would, down by the riverside. And by the way, Jamin's playing the guitar, one of ones that, uh, uh, that he's made. So here we go. Jerry Springer jumping in on the second verse. I'm going to lay down my heavy load down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside, down by 
Books, Coffee Parlor, and Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website, jerryspringer.com. I ain't gonna study one no more. I ain't gonna study.